I was very familiar with guide dogs and mobility dogs. I had never trained one, um, but I made him a promise that we'd go on to the journey together if he was willing to take a chance on me. And he said, well, how much? And I said, nothing. We're going to do this together and, you know, go on this journey and figure out how to help you. Hi, I'm Mary Cortani, and you're entering a world gone good. Merry almost Christmas and or post-Christmas if you're listening and saying for Hanukkah and Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate, to all of you from all of me, me being Steve, your host here at World Gone Good. Thank you for joining me for listening and sharing, subscribing, rating, and or reviewing any and all of the previous and all of the above. Look, World Gone Good continues to grow our audience when people like you help spread the good, so spread away. Okay, so if you know me and or you've listened to previous shows on here, you know how much I love animals, especially my three dogs, Hazel, Mason, and Haley. Now, you know that um, I would never name a dog Hazel and then name another dog Haley. Haley came to us from the Santa Barbara Humane Society with that name already intact, and while we tried to call her other things like Boots and uh, Murgatroyd, what other names do I call her sometimes? Mary. I do call her Mary. That's funny. It's ironic. I also call her Maggie sometimes. Sometimes I call her, uh, well, who cares? Gwendolyn. Gwendolyn's another one. Sometimes I go, Gwendolyn, get over here. But when you have a dog named Hazel and a dog named Haley and you yell one of their names, you usually get the wrong one who comes running to you or both. Anyway, the reason I tell you all that is to give you some perspective here in the fact that I am always drawn to other people who have a similar feeling of love for their animals and especially those people who have taken it to the next level, sharing their love of animals with the rest of the world to make the world a gooder place. Today, we're having a good conversation with one of those people. Mary Cortani is a U.S. military veteran. And when life tells her a difficult hand, she decided to follow her heart and her inner kid voice, and she'll speak to that, to the next stage in her life when she opened Operation Freedom Pause. So Mary Cortani, you have a very interesting story, and I'd like you to tell it, Um, and I'm sure you've had to tell it before, but why don't you start of where you were and how you got to where you are now. Where I've been and how I got here. Oh my goodness. Um, so I went right out of high school into the army. So I am an army veteran. I served for nine years. I started out serving um, in the army when there was a thing called the Women's Army Corps, where the women were separated from the army. And as soon as I graduated basic training, it became the army and the integration of men and women into the armed services. So um, I guess I'm, uh, I'm bullheaded, non-traditional. Um, I signed up to go into military police and be a canine handler. I had to you know, jump through a few hoops to become the canine handler. So I've learned to train dogs um, in the military for patrol, apprehension, 
century work, narcotics, explosive detection, search and rescue, contraband, um, and that's the dog training side of things. I got out of the military and I was lost, so there was a transition. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I was going <laughs> to grow up. Uh, I have since decided I'm going to be a kid because it's so much <laughs> more fun. Uh, and I went, used part of my GI Bill, got a certificate to become an electronics technician, got into, you know, the computer world, working on the manufacturing floor, worked my way through, worked in the IT field before there was such a thing called the IT field. It was, you know, mission information systems back then. And just worked my way up through, owned my own consulting company in the IT business, um, software development, went, you know, worked for corporate America, became an executive in a startup. And then I had a secondary life transition. Um, but before I go into that, you know, second transition in my life, I should state that I was the kid that brought home every stray, every injured animal. <laughs> Um, and animals have always played an important role. I grew up with dogs. What interested me in working dogs was I had a neighbor who was blind and he had a guide dog. And so I was fascinated by how the dog was able to be his eyes, help him navigate the world. Um, and I, you know, just through things in my own life that I experienced as a kid knew that dogs added so much to our life. And then my experience of working with dogs and the amazing things that they could do, how powerful their noses were, you know, throughout my life, I had continued to uh, work with dogs in some capacity, whether it was doing search and rescue, wilderness search and rescue, uh, training dogs for family or friends. And I wanted to mention that because that leads up to this transition. And I was doing that the whole time I was, you know, working in, in corporate America. So for the first time in my life in um, 2001, um, I was working for a startup. I was a, the only female executive. The company was going to either go public or be bought. And so we go through this whole process, get ready for the SEC filings, Along comes a company out of White Plains, New York, that says, hey, here's this offer, and they want to buy us. Well, of course, the board of directors, it was too good of an office offer. They decided easy way out, and they, they sold the company. So there's a transition, that merger um, into this other company. I'm the only female executive. A new, they replaced the current president, put a new president in place. And within a couple of months, I no longer have a job. First time in my life I had ever been fired. And it was a pretty traumatic experience. It was a heck of a transition because I am much older. And how, do, how does a female go out and find another executive job, especially being older, because it's hard enough just finding an executive job as a female. So I, I floundered for a few years. Um, you know, what kept me going was my partner and my animals. And I decided, you know, I'd try a few other things out, uh, explored, reinvented, right? And 
came back to the conclusion in 2010 that my passion is really working with dogs. So I opened up a small dog training business just to do obedience for the, the public, make a little bit of money so that I could survive. And that led to 2010. It's actually Christmas time between Christmas and New Year's of 2009, receiving a phone call from a Marine who had been on the list for a traditional service dog organization for several years. And he was calling trainers to try and find somebody to work with him, uh, to train a dog for him to be a service dog. And he wasn't getting anywhere. And if you've ever spoken to somebody who is suicidal, you can even hear it on the phone. You can hear that loss of hope, that loss of faith. And if you're anything compassionate, empathetic, um, you, you want to help. And for me, being a veteran, and this was a veteran, it, it was even more compelling because I think throughout my life, you know, I've always wanted to continue to serve. So doing search and rescue, volunteering for Habitat for Humanity and the food bank and things like that has always been part of who I am. It's it's in our, our makeup. So, you know, I wasn't sure what he was looking for. I wasn't sure what the um, issues were that were facing our veterans. And we had a conversation and we talked and, you know, he was telling me he had been calling around and that it was going to cost him anything from 10000 you know, to thirty dollars to $40,000 to have a trainer help him train a dog for post-traumatic stress. And, you know, he, he doesn't have that kind of money. He was fighting for his benefits. You know, could I help him? Did I know anybody that could, that he was losing hope? And we talked about a bunch of other things, which just reconfirmed the suicidal ideologies. And I made him a promise. You know, I hadn't, I was very familiar with guide dogs and mobility dogs. I had never trained one. Um, but I made him a promise that we'd go on to the journey together if he was willing to take a chance on me. And he said, well, how much? And I said, nothing. We're going to do this together and, you know, go on this journey and figure out how to help you. And that led to the creation of Operation Freedom Paws, which is what I do today, which is provide service dogs to veterans and others with disabilities, both visible and invisible. Okay, a lot of great stuff. And let's start here. First of all, thank you for your service to our country. Um, my dad was in the military. Uh, my dad was in the Army. And so I have like many of us in this country, uh, a special place for all veterans and for all military members. Let's jump back to something you said earlier, because the key of this, what we're doing here on World Gone Good is we're, we're talking about the good in the world. We're, we're looking for the light and the darkness. And you said something really key. You said that you <laughs> opted for a career of being a kid. And I want to go back to that first. What does that mean to you? Oh my goodness. Um, you know, yeah, that's not where you thought I was going to go with this. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> um, you know, we, we grow up 
And, and as we're growing up and we're a kid, we can't wait to become an adult. Right. And we have no idea how good we have it. Right. <laughs> and, and, and even if you don't come from the greatest of circumstances, you have a dysfunctional family, you right. know, it's, it, you're, you're not on the middle class, upper class scales. Um, somewhere in there is something called fun. Yeah. And you don't have the responsibility of the bills and, you know, getting to a job on time or, you, you, you know, you got your homework, you got school, you got your friends, um, but you don't, you're carefree, right? And you're looking and, forward and you're and, looking forward, right? Exactly. Not, right. Right. Go ahead. Yeah. It, exactly. You're looking forward constantly. And so you become an adult and then all of a sudden, all this other stuff weighs you down and yes. you forget how to have fun. You forget how to look forward. You don't see the horizon. Sometimes it's hard enough to see the next day. And that's without any injuries, right? Totally. And so for me saying, I've decided I'm going to be a kid is to yes, I'm always going to have worries and yes, I'm always going to have cares and yes, I always have the bills to pay and all of that responsibility. But looking forward and saying I can have a plan, that I can have fun at doing it, that I can have a belief that tomorrow is going to be better than today. And, you know, as a kid, I remember thinking, ah, it's just, you know, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow's a better day, right? Or... Right. Um, you know, Hey, tomorrow let's go, uh, you know, let's go play softball in the field. So that excitement, that fun, um, and enjoying life, even enjoying the simplest things can make all of the difference in the world. And so that's what I mean about being a kid and being spontaneous, not, you know, so what if I look goofy, I look goofy. I, I don't care if you're going to judge me. And that is what, I mean, like we have three dogs, right? And a cat um, and, and a cat that I call a punk. He's just a punk. He, he beats the hell out of my dogs and he's tiny and they're large. Um, well, two of them are, but that is something that is a dog's mentality too, because a dog is always in the moment. A dog is always present. A dog, they say that, a, you know, when we leave the house, that the dog has no sense of time. It doesn't know whether we left for five minutes or 10 years. That's why the dog goes, you know, most dogs go ape shit when you come home because like, oh my God, you've been gone 30 seconds. Like, you know, when you run out the door and you're like, oh crap, I forgot a mask and I got to go to the store and you, you know, living in the world we're living in right now, you go back inside, my dogs go bananas. And I'm like, guys, it was seven seconds. And if I left for five years, I'd get the same reaction. And so I think that that is an, an energy that we share with animals and they feed off of that. I think it goes back and forth. It absolutely does. And it also, there's so much more that I could say about that. Um, they definitely live in the moment. Um, unlike human beings who will, you know, live in the past or be stuck in a thought and, and not be able to move into that moment. And that's also part of being a kid, right? We're in the moment. We don't think about anything right. else. Um, but the relationship that you and your dog have, um, you know, it has to do with your scent, your interaction, your energy, and so many things. Um, 
but it's about that. But yeah, I mean, you know, they're always going to be glad to see you because you're part of them. Where did the name Operation Freedom Pause come from? Okay, goodness. So Operation Freedom Pause, it, it came from the fact that everything in the military is an operation or a mission. Uh, freedom came from the fact that no matter what branch of the service you're in, when you raise your right hand and take the oath to uphold the Constitution and defend um, you know, the country, you're writing a blank check that's up into including your life, um, even in a non-wartime situation. And the pause, of course, uh, came from the dogs. But there's also a secondary, because Operation Freedom Pause, if you take the first letter, it's OFP. And it's it stands for an acronym that has to do with Own Effing Program. So since I started a service dog program there where we take our dogs out of shelters and rescue groups, um, it was kind of uh, appropriate because we're not traditional. We don't breed. Um, you know, we look for the dogs that have the criteria, drive, personality to make great service dogs. So how do you choose your dogs that you take out of the rescues and or the shelters? Well, we're not breed specific. Um, you know, just like no two people are the same, no two dogs are the same. And it's not about the breed. People do disservice. It's what people do to animals that make them bad, not the breed. So... I have 30 things that I look at. I can share some of those with you. Um, I learned this in the military when the military we'd go out on by trips to find dogs for the military programs, whether they were single purpose or dual purpose, if they were going to be, you know, patrol dogs or drug dogs or explosive detection dogs or, you know, patrol and uh, explosion or uh, patrol and narcotics dogs. But you got to find you know, every, just like every person has a unique personality, every dog has a unique personality. And to your point about the dog lives in the moment, um, you know, they're going to get stressed just like people get stressed. How can you minimize that stress? Can you work through that stress? Uh, and you have to, when you're looking at shelters and rescues, you have to get past that kennel stress. Are they willing to work through it? Uh, how much do they want to be with the human? Are they more interested in the cat or the dog than they are in you? Are they interested in a toy and food? You know, how willing are they to um, interact? And they may not know sit, but will they try it? And, you know, a, a bunch of stuff like that. And then, um, you know, get to know their personalities. And in the same way, how do you decide with veterans? You, you say yes to everyone? No. <laughs> um, believe me, I wish we could help um, everyone out there, our veterans, our first responders, kids, adults that have a medical need to have a service dog. But there are times when the answer has to be no. And it could be that the person just isn't ready or because of how our program operates, uh, they're not able to participate in the program. Our program is a minimum of 48 weeks, and they have to actively participate. That's a long time. That's almost a year. It is. You know, um, there's a Chinese proverb that says, if I give you a fish, 
you will eat for a day. If I teach you how to fish, you will eat for a lifetime. Sure. And that's, the, you know, one of the guiding principles of the organization is we want to empower and guide our, our clients to have a, a better quality life, you know, to be as happy as they can be, to enjoy the things that most people take for granted, except COVID may have made them realize that, hey, there's, you know, some things going on here. Um, but when we aren't in a COVID situation, we don't think twice about going to the grocery store or a movie or going to the restaurant and meeting up with friends or hanging out at the coffee shop or, you know, taking the kids to the amusement park or the park, right? Well, for for veterans and folks that, and our first responders and folks that suffer from post-traumatic stress, that is impossible. And that isolation and that social awkwardness and the inability to tell a perceived threat from a real threat um, becomes overwhelming to where they shut down. And, you know, on the veteran side, we have, you know, 22 suicides a day, 22 too many. And then, you know, we have no idea what the number is in the, um, you know, first responder side of things and society as a whole as to how many of those suicides are due to uh, some traumatic, post-traumatic uh, mental health issue. So we're talking about deciding, you know, there, there's got to be a factor of, of pairing a dog up with a human, a, a veteran, right? So the question becomes to me that I have to ask is, do, do the dogs stay with you in a location and the veterans come to you or do they go home with the veteran and stay with the veteran and then the veteran brings them back for classes? How's it work? So we pull our dogs out of shelters and rescues. They come now back here to the center um, up until six years ago, sometimes they'd be going home or I'd be out on the hunt for a specific dog. We have a saying, you don't get the dog you want, you get the dog that you need um, because we're matching personalities. And so we'll put a little bit of training, you know, get some manners on them. Um, and then they're, when we have the funds, they're paired with their handler, right, who's our client. Then they start the training process together. And our program is not just about teaching the dogs the obedience and the service dog tasks. That's the really easy part. You know, we could go do the traditional and have a trainer train the dog and then put, you know, the person through a two or a four week boot camp to learn the 80 plus commands that the dog knows. But what I'm trying to do is teach them to fish change habits, right? Yes. And so what we say here is that the hardest part of this program is you doing the work on yourself. We are all resistant to change, right? And sure. some of us will embrace it a little more than others. Some of us will put the brakes on and nope, I'm not changing. So the clients, when they're accepted in the program, they have to want to change. They have to want to improve the quality of their life, make their relationships better, get back out and do things with their family, their kids, their friends, whatever it is. Uh, we have them all set goals. So in the beginning, and it might be you know a couple of months or a month, 
because we try and get the dog home with them as quick as possible. The dog may reside here, but they come a minimum of twice a week for training, and they're welcome to come outside of that uh, training time to visit with the dog and spend time with the dog and, you know, practice what they've been learning and training. But we also offer, we have a therapist at every training session, therapists available outside of the training that have no ties to the VA to provide that support. And it's not just for our clients, it's for their families, it's for the kids. When we're in a non-COVID environment, we go to restaurants and, you know, we can't go to the the big, you know, ball games like, uh, you know, a Giants or a Dodgers or, you know, a, a Warriors or things like that. So we go to the local like AAA, AA um, kind of sporting events to show them they can do things like that. So we try and plan outings. We have our family dog camp. Um, we try and do barbecues, you know show them they can enjoy life. And so there comes that kid in me again. It's like, let's have some fun, <laughs> right? Well, it's also being, there's also got to be a sense of normalcy. Right. And there has to be a um, reintroduction into, like you were talking about, is of, of the feeling of safety and living a life that they feel safe living. What happened, the very first guy you spoke of that launched this whole thing, what happened to him? What happened to the dog that he got together with? So we we paired him up with the dog, and uh, we started on the journey. I had to learn about post-traumatic stress, military sexual trauma, traumatic brain injuries, you know, all of the things that our veterans were facing. And uh, he actually went on, went back to school, and... Uh, is got married, has uh, a son, and is working in a, I want to say, uh, defense contracting company doing something. Because <laughs> I, I know a little about it, but he can't talk about it. But he's back, uh, and the dog is now 12 years old, retired, staying at home, but because of all the other work he did on himself, um, you know, doing the therapies, getting other types of treatments, his medication is reduced, and uh, he doesn't know if he's going to want another service dog. That's both good and and great, right? I mean, yeah. And that's the that's the ultimate outcome. That's not going to happen in every case, right? Sure. Well, let me say this. I uh, typically end these shows with three questions. Don't panic. You know the answers. They're pretty easy. You can relate them back to anything we've already talked about or whatever comes into your head. Question number one, who inspires you? Our clients. The the folks, you know, the the veteran overcoming the challenges they face every day wanting to get back out there, wanting to continue to serve. They're my inspiration. This one, again, can be anything you want. can be in the moment. can be something new. can be something old. Whatever you want to tell me. Tell me something good. There is hope for tomorrow. The sun is going to come up. Even with all of this craziness, humanity still exists in a good portion of us. 
And the easiest question of all, my friend Mary, where can people find you and how can people get involved and make a donation to what you do? Uh, we are on the web at operationfreedompause.org. We are on Facebook as operationfreedompause.org. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. And we're located uh, in California. So uh, definitely donations are needed. This year has been really, really tough. But um, any of those means uh, they can do fundraisers for us on Facebook. They can donate directly through the website. Um, and stay tuned and watch. You know, we're trying to come up with virtual events um, and participate that way. Do you have a wish list on Amazon? I do. Thank you for bringing that one up. Uh, we do have a wish list on Amazon, Operation Freedom Pause, and it's you know for items that we use in the program at all times. Because I did not mention, we do not charge for anything that we do. I think I mentioned that in the beginning with the first client, but we have never charged, and we truly are a nonprofit. We try and be as transparent as possible. And it costs us on average $17,000 per dog team uh, wow. to provide all of the services that we provide. Wow. Well, it's really just for the listeners out there, just so you know, Mary and I don't know each other. This is the first time we've met. We got hooked up through somebody else who hooked me up with those people through somebody else. And that's kind of the good that keeps rolling and happening. And there's sometimes magical things that happen because you said, I believe you said that your very first client, this man we just spoke about, he originally called you the week around Christmas. Is that what you said? Yeah, in between Christmas and New Year's. And magically, you're going to be the December 23rd show. I had already plotted that out. So sometimes things work out perfectly. So Merry Christmas to you because <laughs> by the time this <laughs> goes you. up, it's in 24 to 48 hours from now. And um, happy holidays. And the, and the same to you. Um, again, thank you for having me. And thank goodness for... The world being as small as it is, even though it appears large, because, you know, it used to be, what, six degrees of separation, and now it's like three. Um, <laughs> thanks to social media. <laughs> thanks to social media, the good, the bad, the ugly. Right. Um, but uh, to your point, the world gone good, my belief is that there is more good in the world than there is bad. We just need to look for it, and it will be there. Thank you, Mary, for sharing your story and for all the work you do for our animals and our veterans. Hey, everyone listening, remember, you have a few more days here to get your tax-deductible gifts in for 2020, and I think Operation Freedom Pause is a great place to start. Visit them at operationfreedompause.org for more info and to give them some end-of-the-year love. Next time on World Gone Good. If your mind is saying you're fat, you're ne this is never going to work, this is never going to change, but then your body is going to say, yeah, you're, you're fat, this is never going to work, this is never going to change, so I'm not going to do anything. So I, I do feel like what we feel and believe about ourselves, and this is in our souls, that is what really helps promote change. Ingrid Clay is a personal and online fitness coach, an athlete and master trainer, a nutrition coach and soul class teacher. She believes there is, and I'm quoting her here now, no ending to what we are becoming. 
we're going to jumpstart our New Year's resolutions early with the incredibly good Ingrid Clay. Until then, be good. <laughs>